This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. This is meant to be a series that will help us as a church to understand the spiritual dynamics of what is happening in the city historically and even up to today. Because how many know that if we're aware of the enemy schemes, we can know how to combat it, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to literally believe God that over the next several weeks, we're going to see the Spirit of God unmask the enemy's work in the city um, so that God can move, and God can not just move, but have a sustainable move for the long haul. How many want revival that's going to last a long time? So 2007, uh, a year before we moved here, or about a year before we moved here, I'd come down one day, I was prayer walking through the city, and I ended up at Fort Henry, and about halfway up the hill, as I was driving up that big hill, about halfway up the hill, I felt a demonic pushback like I had never felt in my life, ever. And I've been through a lot of different things. Um, and I actually literally pulled off to the side of the road, and I stopped, and I prayed, and I'm like, God, what, what's going on here? Show me what's going on. And so I prayed through it. I finally kind of got through that, and I continued my drive up to the top of the hill. And as I started to look out over the city, literally God showed me this picture. I'm just using this as a little prop, but I literally had this picture of, picture if we can, I'm trying to think down here. So yes, we're right here, thinking backwards. Here's Fort Henry, okay? North end, west end. And I saw a very specific triangle that was formed from the corner of Fort Henry out to the west end, up to the north end, and down. And then God showed me that day that there's three key uh, demonic influences in this city, okay? So from Fort Henry, it's the spirit of religion. From the north end, it's the spirit of witchcraft. From the west end, it's the spirit of Jezebel. But as I was continuing to pray, God literally kind of showed this 3D image of this triangle. How many know if you see it kind of two-dimensional, you just see lines? But I literally saw a 3D triangle, almost like a pyramid. And the top of it, was in the air, and here's what I saw. I saw the word Leviathan. And so when we're understanding the dynamic spiritually in the city, we have to understand that there's three major spirits at work, but they all respond to a general, right? I'm going to show you in Scripture where this talks about this. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 to 23, and it says, "...which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places." Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion. It's literally a ranking system of demonic forces. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things, all things, not some things, not most things, not 99% of things, but all things, under his feet. Now, how many have ever heard this story that Jesus is the head of the church? We're the body of Christ. How many know that even if we're still the body, everything that's under our feet is still under us? Right? But sometimes we act like things of the enemy are under the head, but not under the body. But it says it's under our feet. It didn't say under our chin. <laughs> okay? So, and it gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So you have to understand today that there's principalities, there's ruling demonic forces over cities, and there's ruling demonic forces over nations. I don't want to be all weird this morning, so just picture, if we can, Star Wars. Okay? 
For every Luke Skywalker, there's a Darth Vader. So let's just call it what it is, okay? Or a Kylo Ren or anything else that's going on right now. But the point is, is this, is that there are demonic influences over the city of Kingston. They've been here since its inception in 1673, right through to today, okay? And so we have to understand that in every place there's different things. In Oshawa, it's a completely different set of issues. That's where I'm from, the schwa. And so in Oshawa, there's a unique set of issues in Oshawa that you actually really don't see here in Kingston. But in Kingston, there's a unique set of issues here that you don't see in Oshawa. And so we have to be aware of what is going on in the city and why it's here and how we can combat it and how we can not just combat it once but actually live in victory over it for the rest of our lives. How many believe in for that? Amen. So, but businesses, marriages, families, relationships, finances, and your health have been affected by these spirits probably your entire life if you've been here, okay? When I came to the city, one of the things that I I tried desperately to do was to find out some of the history about the city and really specifically find out the history about the churches in the city. And when I started kind of polling the audience as far as the churches were in the city, so I started talking about the history. I started talking about the good times and the bad times, some of the difficult times that people went through in churches. And you know what I realized? Every church in this city that I have talked to has gone through the exact same situation with the exact same uh, scenario, the exact same uh, things that actually played out. Different faces, different voices, different locations, but it was almost identical. Scary identical. And I started going, okay, what in the world is going on in this city? And sometimes the easiest thing to do is to actually come in from the outside because you have no influence. I'm not influenced by anything. I don't have any history here. I don't, I'm not coming in with a preconceived idea of what is happening here. What I did is I came in with open eyes and said, God, whatever it is that you want to show me, show me, because I need to know what I'm dealing with in the city. Because we can have a great church here, but every time we leave this place, how many know we're going into the city? And so we have to be careful with what we're dealing with. And so different churches, different people, different voices, same stuff. Scary how much it was the same. And so I want to, if we can today, as we start the series, I want to unmask what is lying beneath the surface. I want to unmask it. I want you to see what's underneath. Because it's been lurking for a long time. But I want to show you guys the enemy's hidden agenda. How many know that when you're in a relationship with people, sometimes they have a hidden agenda? How many feel a little bit used when you find out what it is after the fact? Right? Well, I just wanted you to know today that the enemy has a hidden agenda... And we're going to absolutely unmask it this morning. Are you ready for that? That was a good word. Thank you. Thank you for your underwhelming support. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, good. The word unmask literally means to reveal the true identity or nature of someone or something. Okay? That's what we're doing. So, question for you this morning. Have you ever experienced the pain of an unexpected relational meltdown? Uh, How many are in the midst of it? Don't put up your hand. Okay. Okay. Uh, have, you, have you ever experienced problems in a key relationship that is absolutely unseen, something that is unseen that is affecting it, but you can't necessarily put your finger on it, okay? Um, and you, you can speak to it, you can, you can talk about it, you can, uh, you can understand it in a limited sense, and you know that there's something wrong, and you know that there's something that someone's not saying, but you cannot actually give it any type of uh, context, it's just happening. And, and I can say this because I've seen it and I've experienced it myself. I've experienced it here on different occasions. 
Um, whether it's in people from inside the church or people outside the church, it really doesn't matter because when we're in the city and that, that's influencing us, you can come under that influence very easily. One of the things that always amazed me in those contexts is that your words of love and appreciation can be so warped. You're sitting there going, I, I didn't mean anything. I just love you and I just want to help you and blah, 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 right? But it's warped. It's, it's twisted. Confusion and suspicion whispers lies. How many have ever seen that? Okay. There is a firestorm of words... And then usually what happens is there's silence. And all you are living out at this particular moment is a breakdown in relationship, and you never saw it coming. It's crazy. Well, what is, what is it that you're actually experiencing? What have you come uh, into contact with? Well, it is the general over the city. So we're not going to talk about the three points today. We're going to talk about the general. The guy that is the war room general that's telling the three other spirits, witchcraft, religion, and Jezebel, what to do. His name is Leviathan. And I'm going to affectionately call him today, if I can say it like that, the spirit of separation. Separation. How many know that in any particular um, gift mix that someone may have, there's always a corresponding demonic influence that wants to come against you? How many know that you know, we're not going to have any counterfeited $3 bills? Right? Because there's no such thing as a $3 bill. But with everything that is of God, there's going to be a counterfeit. In other words, there's going to be a direct force that's going to come against you and work against you in things in your life. So for those that are prophetically leaning or maybe have a prophetic gift or call in your life, maybe God wants to use you prophetically. Maybe you have a voice that God wants to use. Well, the, the corresponding demonic influence is the spirit of Jezebel. How many remember the story of Elijah with the 500 Baal prophets and then the 450 Baal prophets and then, and then one word from Jezebel and he ran for his life. He came under discouragement and manipulation and control and he literally sought to hide himself and literally die because he was overwhelmed by that. So I have news for you today that with any apostolic movement, any apostolic strategizing movement, the spirit that comes against that movement is a Leviathan spirit. Why is that? Well, thank you for asking. Because the primary goal of a Leviathan spirit is to destroy an apostolic movement over a city. What's an apostolic move? Well, we see a sustained move of God. We see strategies and ideas that are coming out from the churches that will allow the sustained move of God. Revival will happen. Signs and wonders will happen. Miracles will happen. Supernatural things will happen. Why? Because God wants to touch the city. But that is what that spirit wants to come against. Listen this morning. The goal of every apostolic church, which we are one, is to build and connect. Build and connect. Building up people's lives, connecting people's lives. Building up, connecting. Building up and connecting. Just picture Lego. I mean, it's like the master Lego builder of all plans. He, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So the whole call and the whole ministry of apostolic church or person is to build and to connect. The primary goal of a Leviathan spirit is to separate and disconnect. That's the whole goal. He is going to try to disconnect what God is trying to connect in your life. How many have ever been frustrated by business deals that just kind of blew up and you have no idea what happened? relationships that just suddenly disconnected over the silliest of things and you go, what in the world just happened? How in the world did that one little thing lead to this? It's Leviathan that is at work. Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 16, it says this, and he himself, Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is a pretty good picture. I don't know about you. That's what I want to be like. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, that is exactly what Leviathan does. You know how apostolic is strategic plotting? Leviathan is deceitful plotting. That's what he does. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, I love this. Are you ready for this? From whom the whole body joined and knit together. Build and connect. Build and connect. Joined and knit together. By what every joint supplies. I have news for you this morning. You need the person that's sitting next to you. And they need you. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share. Every part does its share. Build, connect. Build, connect. See the apostolic heart of God? Causes growth. When you build and connect, everything grows. When you build and connect, everything grows. And I'm not just talking uh, in numbers. But I'm talking about health. I'm talking about uh, you know, peace. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about everything in life. You build and connect. And it says, causes growth of, the, uh, growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is build and connect language. And I want you guys to just get that this morning because that is what the church is all about. That's what every church should be all about. It's about building people, connecting people. Um, I don't know about you guys, but dislocated joints are painful. I know, I dislocated my kneecap playing baseball, and I hope I never go through it again. It's a very weird feeling when you see your kneecap in a position on your leg where it shouldn't be. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyone who's queasy just didn't hear that. All right, okay, moving along. But similarly, disconnected spiritual joints are painful. Why? Because they disable our unity. Something's not in alignment. Something's out of place. Something's disconnected. Something isn't being built up because, because you're spending all your energy and effort in your body to actually take care of what is broken rather than build and connect to get it better. Right? Too many churches and too many people are spending years trying to fix what's broken instead of just moving on with what God wants to do in their life. Right? I'm not saying don't fix things. But sometimes we are absolutely beating a dead horse in churches wondering why God isn't moving. Well, God didn't doesn't move the same way he did in 1963, right? It's time to move on. All right. So why is Leviathan doing everything it can to influence this city to separate? Why? Because there's an apostolic call on the city of Kingston. From the moment that we came into this city, I kept hearing over and over and over again, this is a gateway city. Similar to, you know, the Rideau Canal, it's a gateway city. And God's going to use this city to be a gateway to other places around the world. Not just the nation of Canada, but places around the world. I was hearing it from everywhere. I talked to believers, that people that I'd meet for the first time, and they start yakking away like, this is a gateway city. God's going to do something awesome in this city. This is a small city, but this is a huge city in God. God's going to do awesome things. And I 
heard that, and I, it really resonated with me. It resonated with me. So what does Leviathan do? I'm going to call him from this moment on the twisting serpent, because this is what Leviathan does. If we can, let's just look at the Word of God to help us to understand the Spirit and how it works. Isaiah 27, verse 1, and it says this, In that day the Lord with his severe sword, what is the sword? The Word of God. Truth, right? Absolutely. So with his severe sword, not just a nice little sword, not a big little dagger, but a humongous sword. With a severe sword, great and strong, just in case you missed the severe part, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, that twisted serpent, and he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. Most Bible scholars have linked the spirit of Leviathan to the Nile crocodile. That's what they've linked them to. Most Bible scholars would agree that there's actually a connection point between Pharaoh and Leviathan. That actually what Moses and Aaron did with Pharaoh is how you actually deal with the spirit of Leviathan. And so I'm actually going to talk about that next week. Okay? It's okay, but that means you have to come back. It's all good. But Leviathan is more than a crocodile. He is a demonic spirit that opposes God's people and opposes apostolically-minded people and apostolically-minded churches. And the root word of the name Leviathan literally means to twist or bend. That's the root meaning of the word Leviathan, to twist. One Bible scholar actually refers to Leviathan as a creature of chaos that personifies evil. Okay? So, David himself, King David understood this. One of the things that he had to constantly come against was the same spirit. David, who had a heart after God, came against the spirit over and over and over again. And as a matter of fact, he actually uh, described in Psalm 56, verse 5, that they have twisted my words all day long. How many have ever been in a situation where the, the, the words that you used were twisted and used against you? Okay, good. I just want to make sure that we're all in the same room and you're all following with me here. Um, in the political realm, it's called spin. I'm sure you've never seen that happen ever on C-SPAN ever in your life. I've never seen political spin, Donald Trump. Anyhow, I've never seen it ever in my life. I've never seen it ever. But spin, in essence, is when a politician takes an idea, spins it to make it fit a certain explanation that they want to get across. So they'll spin it. In essence, it's manipulation. You're being manipulated is really what's happening. So he does... Everything he does in order to twist things. And how many know that if you keep twisting something over and 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 over again, that was for you, Ozzy, it separates. How many have ever seen Animal Planet? I want you to picture a nice spring day and a little gazelle coming down to the water's edge and starts sipping some water and really thirsty gazelle because he's been walking all across the plains of Africa for the last 17 days, fasting from steak. But he's thinking to himself, four more days. It's only four more days, and then I can have steak, and it's awesome. So I can get through with one more day of water and salad. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, and so he's licking up this water, getting all excited. He notices this ripple in the water about 10 feet in front of him. Looks back, doesn't see nothing. So he goes back, and he starts licking up the water because he's all thirsty, and then, boom, out of, a, out of nowhere comes a crocodile flying out of the water, 
grabs its prey and does what? It starts the death roll. Twisting, twisting, twisting. With the, I know this is gross on a Sunday morning, but the entire goal of a crocodile is to twist to sever the limbs in order for them to eat each limb whole. That's what they do. A Leviathan spirit, which literally means to twist, the entire goal is to grip its prey and to twist the truth and to twist facts and to twist situations and to keep twisting it and twisting it and twisting it until you separate from the God-ordained attachments in your life. Are we getting it today? Okay. It's good. Why does he do this? Why does the enemy target relationships? Why does he target marriages? Why does he target families? Why does he target businesses? Why does he target your finances? Why? Because if he can get you to believe a lie and the twist of the lie, then you're actually going to come under subjection in alignment with his will rather than God's. And God is saying it's time to break free of that, to break free of the lies that you've subjected yourself to, and to start walking in apostolic authority in the spirit of God so that we can see the city come to Christ. Do you believe that this morning? So other references in the Bible to this, this spirit, this twisting Leviathan spirit. Some of you may have heard the story of Adam and Eve. I don't know if it's maybe some of you have heard of Adam and Eve. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, it talks about... Um, it talks about this serpent, this slithering serpent, which I know we would know as Lucifer, but I believe, honestly, it was, it was Levi- Lucifer with a Leviathan spirit. Came to Eve, and, and what was the verse line out of his mouth? Did God really say? Did God really say? What does Leviathan do with you? He asks a question in order for you to question. He asks a question in order for you to question what God is doing, okay? So he plants the seed of doubt and then starts to twist, okay? Psalm 104, verses 24 to 26. These are just references you can write down, and it literally speaks about the Leviathan spirit that lurks and operates under the surface. It very very rarely ever shows its face unless it's attacking. And then you see him, but then he grabs his prey and goes right back under the water. Right? He doesn't want to be seen. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13 is the temptation of Christ. And how many know that Satan's ploy, the Satan's game, is to twist the word of God to catch Jesus in a, in a conundrum, but he didn't give in. He just basically said, get behind me, Satan. Right? Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 to 6, it talks about a woman that is in labor, preparing to give birth, and there's a dragon-like spirit, Leviathan, that is waiting for that baby to be born. Why? Because they want to rip away the seed of greatness before they have a chance to live. Why is it that people have come under such an attack in this city? Why? Because there's an apostolic call in this city. There are strategies and ideas for the city and for the nation. And I believe, honestly, from my own heart, for the nations. So if that's true, then he's going to do everything he can to mess us up. So what's the root of it all? What, what does he use? What is, what's, his, what's his MO? Well, the, bo- uh, the book of Job actually teaches us all about what Leviathan does. Um, Job chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, it says, O may may that night be barren. Make no joyful shout come into it. May those curse uh, it who curse the day, those who are ready to arouse Leviathan. Job was so distraught, so frustrated, so angered, so um, literally feeling uh, no hope that he literally prayed 
that the occultic people of his day would arouse Leviathan to curse him and die. Kind of sounds like Elijah running from Jezebel. Job came headlong into a spirit called Leviathan. And at the end, he's just like, God, just kill me now. Just kill me now. I can't deal with this. For those that maybe know their Bible history, maybe some of you that don't know this, Job is actually one of the earliest books ever written. Chronologically, it's one of the earliest books in the Bible. I know it's not chronologically in order in Scripture, but Job is actually one of the real patriarchs of the Word of God. Um, And he literally utilized and employed these occult people to curse himself. And, and we honestly understand something about these occult practices. And I actually went back and I looked it up because I wanted to find out what are we dealing with here. And this particular occultic practice back in Job's day literally believed in the sun god where there would be a dragon-like, uh, uh, which we know is Leviathan, a dragon-like uh, spirit that would wrap around the sun and literally eliminate the light. Kind of sounds like Leviathan, does it? Let's just get rid of the truth and let's just live in the half-truth. Let's live in the twisted truth. Let's not bring up the truth because if we brought up the truth, that would literally expose everything. Job chapter 41 is an entire chapter devoted to understanding the Spirit. Every verse in this chapter is a description of Leviathan. So I just want to give a brief overview of the book of Job so you kind of understand where we are and where we're going to go. So Satan asked permission of God to test Job. Satan gets permission from God to test him. Job then suffered physically, financially, relationally, loses his family. Job's friends come to help. They're there to support. And the response is, is that his friends literally sit with him for seven straight days listening to every complaint he's ever had in his life. You know, if you could picture every Facebook posting that he would want to put, he put it with his friends that day. Seven straight days of complaining. They listened to him. They wept with him. They were his true friends. Um, Then Job complains. And after that, his friends disappear because part of his complaint was against his friends and what they had to say to him. Right? Remember, like last week, breakthrough, you need the right people in your life. Make sure you have the right circle of influence in your life. What ends up happening is he rejects their advice. He defends himself. He overplays his own righteousness, and he slips into a pattern of deep-rooted pride. Then he absolutely boldly declares, I want a meeting with God right now. So after 38 chapters of, um, 37 chapters of arguing and complaining, in chapter 38, God responds to Job. So I know it's kind of hard to imagine, but 37 chapters of complaints. That's a big book of complaints, okay? Job's response in Job chapter 38, verse 4, says this, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? That was encouraging. <laughs> you know, if you're ever down and discouraged, and you're struggling with things in life, and God comes along and says, Where were you when I created the world? Um, hmm. Can I get back to you on that one? Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. What's God saying? Listen. You don't understand who I am and what I can do. So just take a pill and let's, let's get it here. He goes on in Job chapter 40 verse 8 and says, Would you condemn me so that you can be justified? Would you express your frustrations with me only to make yourself feel better? Right? So God wisely unmasks this, the trait that every Leviathan spirit operates out of. It is a pride that divides a pride that divides, okay? 
So verse 15 in, ch- in chapter 41, it literally says that Leviathan's scales are his pride. Verse 24, it says that Leviathan's heart is as hard as stone. Verse 34, it says that Leviathan is king over all the children of pride. So God is literally saying to Job, look at yourself, evaluate yourself, and like Leviathan, you have become twisted, hardened, and proud. You've become just like that spirit that you're trying to fight against. So what was the response of Job after God got through to him? His response was repentance. I think one of the biggest things that has to happen over the city, and we're starting to see it, and I can tell you from as a senior pastor and having conversations with a pile of senior pastors in the city, we are seeing genuine repentance happening in the city. Churches to churches, people to people, leaders to leaders. In the month of February, the three Pentecostal churches in the city realized that there's a long history of not thinking very highly of each other. Not necessarily with the pastors that are here today, but in the history of the churches. So you know what they did? Pastor Steve, Pastor Terry, Pastor Phil. They did a 45-minute sermon a sermon on unity. Each of them took a 15-minute portion of it, and they went to all three churches in three successive weekends in a row. It took some of their key leaders and some of their key staff and some of their key board members. And they literally stood before the churches at the end of each service and repented for the history and everything that was going on in the past of the churches. I'm telling you right now, God is moving in this city. When he repented, Job 42, verse 10, it says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. What's interesting here is the moment that Job repented, what automatically happened? He repented, he cried out for his friends because he started to begin to speak in apostolic language again. I need to build and connect my friendships. I need to connect. I need to connect. I'm disconnected. I've given under, up under the spirit of Leviathan and I've disconnected myself, but I need to connect and I need to build into other people's lives because they have built into me. See how the apostolic language came back. Leviathan's language shut up rather quickly at the moment of repentance, okay? I believe that the core issue of the book of Job is the same core issue that has gone on in this city for 300 and something years, and I'm gonna call it wound-based pride. I've lost count how many times I've had conversations with people in the city, and it's an old wound that they've never dealt with, and really what it's turned into is pride, and I'm, I'm honestly convinced that those people have given in to the spirit of Leviathan. And they are literally speaking Leviathan's language. And it's a problem that has historically run rampant in the churches in Kingston. Pride in actuality is the spirit of separation. And I've seen this in the city, that people who are proud because of a wound-based pride are the very people that will keep their distance and not connect with anybody else. They don't want to connect. They don't want to build relationships. They want to keep a distance. They say, keep, stay away because I don't, I don't this, I don't that. And I keep coming back to the same answer. If you deal with what's in your heart, God is always about building. God is always about connecting. So there's an issue in your heart. It's not about what this person did. Now, I want to say very quickly, I'm not discounting the legitimacy of that wound. I'm not saying that every wound is illegitimate and therefore you get over yourself. 
What I'm saying in the city is that there's legitimate wounds, but if we stay there, we develop a pride and we allow the spirit of Leviathan to start to speak and to have control in our lives. And what we need to do is we need to have the courage to come to God and say, God, I repent for holding this against that person or, hold, or doing this or saying that or, 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 or gossiping or, or literally aligning myself with a, a way of thinking and a pattern of thinking that is ungodly, that is against building and connecting language. Amen? Good point. All right. Moving right along. I'm coming close to the end. Why is pride such a big issue? Well, it's because it's our blind spot. How many know that when they're proud, they don't see it? How many would like them to see it? How many wish that every person in their life could speak into that issue and have them hear it? Right? The problem with pride is it leads to deception. And how many know that when you're deceived, you don't know it? That's why you're deceived. Because if you were not deceived, you would see it. But when you're deceived, you don't see it. Right? And so people who have emotional wounds tend to slip into patterns of false humility. What's false humility? Pride. Right? Your ego rises up. You become self-conscious about what is not right in your life, which leads to a critical spirit and a frustration because of what God's doing in someone else's life. But we're giving into that spirit of Leviathan. Okay? People who struggle with rejection respond with perfectionism. What's that? Pride. I want somebody to love me, so I'll set myself a goal, achieve it, and say, look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. When you're under the apostolic authority of God, we don't talk about what God's done in us. We always talk about what God's doing for somebody else because we want to build them up, and we want to connect them, and we want to build them up, and we want to connect them. So at the end of the day, it's not about us. Thank you. That's a good point. Thank you. All right. How many know that when we are in that realm and we live under that kind of influence, what often happens is we have an exaggerated opinion of ourselves and we think that we're actually holier than the person that's done something to us, right? And now we may not verbalize it, but in our hearts and in our minds, we think that way. And again, I'm saying all this to say, I'm declaring this over the city. I actually think we have an awesome church. (laughs) So I'm not necessarily saying this to you, but I'm saying this over the city, so that we will understand what we're dealing with when you're talking to people that are struggling with these issues. Because I have a feeling that you're now going to talk to these people from this moment on and go, ding dong, I know exactly what this is. Let's have a chat and let's talk about it. You're going to have your eyes open to what is really going on in the spiritual realm. Um, What often happens with people who who struggle with that perfectionism attitude is they literally um, start to accuse other people of other things because they want to feel okay themselves. If I can say it like this this morning, they create others in their own image. Rather than letting God create them in his. And it's a huge issue. And so that's why you see, at times, an unhealthy pattern of a key person. And if I can say it like this, all their little minions. And how much they're like them. To the point where they say the same thing, they do the same thing. And I'm I'm talking, part of that is good. How many know that mentoring is good? Building and connecting is good. But when you see unhealthy things that are not biblically supported in any context, anywhere in the Bible, and everyone fights for those things, I just kind of go, okay, whoa, 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 time out, time out. Where's that in the Bible? Oh, it doesn't matter. I know where it is in the Bible. Just blah, 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 blah. I said, no, show me in the Bible. I've had this conversation with several people. Show me in the Bible. Uh, well, I don't really know the Bible as well as you do. So I open up my Bible and go, okay, what about this, 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 and this? 
And they go, ah. And they have a choice to make. They can either say, okay, I'm going to stop the twisting of the Leviathan spirit and stop believing a lie and believe the truth, or I'm just going to keep going the way I go. And because of pride, they won't adjust. Okay? So where does this all end up? Isolation. They can't deal with it, so they hide. Kind of sounds like Leviathan hiding under the water. That's where he lives. He's under the surface. So people who are under the influence of that, of that spirit hide. They stay away. They disconnect. And again, I'm not talking about legitimate versus illegitimate wounds. There's many legitimately wounded people in our culture. But what I'm talking about is a decision of people's will to say, you know what, I'm not going to live in this place anymore because it is destructive. I'm destroying my own life. I'm destroying those around me. I'm going to make a decision to plug in, to build and to connect, to build and to connect, and to build and to connect, and to build and to connect because that's what apostolic language is. Isolation leads to self-will. And self-will means you become your own source of authority. Are we seeing it this morning? Are your eyes being open to what, what is happening? You're probably right now putting conversations together in your mind going, oh my goodness, like he just read my mail about that whole conversation. That's ridiculous. I go, yep, because it's the same spirit playing the same games all the time. The only difference is for your box, he may have a different bow on top with a little bit nicer paper or wrapping or something. And for someone else, it may be different. But once you open up the box and you look inside, it's the same thing. Every single time. Nothing is different. So what are Leviathan's characteristics? I'm going to share the seven characteristics and I'm going to come to an end. First one is this, is rebellion. That's a strong word, but I I just have to be honest. Okay? Rebellion. Verse 13 in, in chapter 41 says, Who can approach him with a double bridle? What's a double bridle? Well, it literally speaks to someone that cannot come under bridling, like a horse, right? Put a you know, bit bridle on a horse. They won't take it. In other words, they, they will be happy-go-lucky until someone comes into their life that actually is in leadership or in, in some sort of governing role over them. That could be your boss. That could be your parents. That could be your pastor, a small group leader. That could be you know, a teacher at school, a queen. It could be anything. It could be your, your power-to-change leader, right? It could be anything. And you hear their advice, and you hear their background, and you hear all these things, and then you fight back because you don't like what they're saying. In actuality, they're of God, and they're actually pointing something out, but you don't want to hear it. And so a Leviathan spirit has an ungovernable spirit. They're independent. They want to do their own thing. Second thing is this, is they have an impenetrable pride. Not just pride, but you can't penetrate it. What's the word over Kingston, cataraque? Do you know what it means? Unconquerable. Impenetrable. Well, thank the Lord when we put those stakes in today, that word cataraque is going to be buried once and forever. And we're going to declare over the city of Kingston that this is fertile ground for the move of the Spirit of God in our midst. Awesome. But here's what's interesting. Verse 15 talks about his scales are full of pride. He is king over the children of pride. One of the things that's known about the Nile crocodile is that its skin and its scales are so thick that you can't even spear it or knife it in any way. You cannot penetrate their skin. It is so tough. It is so difficult. And so can I give an example of this? Saul, before he became Paul, Saul was killing Christians, supporting the killing of Christians. He's walking along one day on his horse on the road to Damascus. Jesus shows up. He falls off his horse. Okay? God got his attention. 
He stands up. God says, and he says, I'm blind. I can't see. Oh, hello, because you've been under the influence of something. I wonder what that could be. Hmm. Anyhow, we'll get to that in a second. He says, I want you to go into the city, and I want you to go find a a man by the name of uh, Ananias will come and find you. So Ananias comes and prays for him. And the Bible in Acts chapter 9 says, and scales fell off his eyes. And he saw Leviathan was exposed and unmasked in Saul's life. So here's what I want you to see. What is Saul, now Paul, known as an apostle? What did he do? He saw an incredible move of God across the countryside. That is the same spirit that is absolutely in the seedbed of this city. That God is going to bring the scales off the eyes of those in this city. And we're going to see an apostolic move in this city. Like is going to be written about for hundreds of years. Because that is what is in the seedbed of the city of Kingston. The third thing is a destructive mouth. Or destructive Facebook accounts. I know it's not there, but I just put that in there just for myself. Verse 19, it says, Out of his mouth go burning lights, sparks of fire shoot out. It talks about a critical tongue or a critical spirit. Verse 20 says, And smoke goes out of his nostrils as from a boiling pot. What does that speak to? It's often the, it's often the case of every Leviathan spirit, before they nail you, is they start with smoke. What is the smoke? Flattery. False praise. It's flattery. Why? They want to draw you in. That's what they're doing. They're drawing you in. And then they put the hook in. Right? Verse 21 says, His breath kindles coals and a flame goes out of his mouth. It's not just an argument, but an argument that leaves you worn out. How many of you have ever had one of those? You just could bang your head off a wall with some of these people. The fourth thing is this. is Leviathan is a covenant-breaking demonic force. What's the most important covenant that you have on the planet? Hmm? So God, that's your most important spiritual covenant. What's your most important natural covenant? Your marriage. The only two that were, that were done in blood. Jesus' blood allowed us to have a covenant with God. And in the covenant of marriage, it is a covenant of blood. Why? Because it is the highest form of natural covenant on the planet. Verse 4 in chapter 41 says, Will he make a covenant with you? Leviathan's goal is to break up and separate and twist every single covenant that God ordained in your life. Please don't, I I don't want anyone to think I'm referencing situations that are in here, but I, I need to explain a pattern that I've seen for eight years, okay? I'm not referencing your story today. You need to know that. But it has been an eight and a half year pattern of what I've seen in this city that has shocked me and disturbs me to no end. I've seen people justify moving across a country, moving to another country to get a job and leave their family behind. I've seen people that have justified four jobs in order to make ends meet and never have a relationship with their spouse or their children. I've seen situations where all these crazy ideas, and I've seen it over and over and over and over again. It's so disturbing to me. At the end of the day, the most important covenant you have on the planet, outside of your covenant with God, is your family. It is your wife, your spouse, your husband, your kids. And I'll tell you, one of the things that's going to be, I believe, a sign of this latter movement is going to be the rise and the stabilizing of the family unit. It is under attack. I don't know if anyone's ever turned the, you know, the TV on or you know, checked out your, uh, 
your news apps on your iPhone. But I'm telling you, the family is under attack. Where do you think that's coming from? It's not from God. God didn't come up with that idea. That's not God's idea. God would never, ever, ever do something that could cause a, a, a separation and a twist in a marriage relationship. Never. Just want to make sure that you're all aware of that. Okay? We're good. Fifth thing is this. talks about him being stubborn with a hardness of heart. Verse 22 says that strength dwells in his neck. Strength dwells in his neck. Symbol of a stubborn will, an immovable, unconquerable, cataractway type will. Okay? Verse 24 says his heart is hard as stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. It's interesting in the New Testament that Jesus talked about putting a millstone around someone's neck who brings offense and separates relationships. Wow. Puts a millstone around it. Are you seeing it this morning? The sixth thing is this, intimidation and fear. If he can't convince you, he'll intimidate you until he can convince you. He'll keep intimidating you. How does he do it? Well, he plants scenarios that if you don't do this, then this could happen. If you, then. If you, then. That's what he does. What will happen if you? What's going to go on with your family? What's going to go on with your finances? What's going to happen to your life? It's going to fall apart. It's all because of you. And I go, uh, no, it's not because of me. It's actually because of you. Why? Because Leviathan will always claim of you what he actually does himself. And with hopes that the scales come back on your eyes and you don't see nothing straight anymore. Seventh thing is this, chaos and confusion. Confusion reigns with Leviathan. Verse 31 is the most hilarious verse I think I've ever seen in my life. And it absolutely perfectly describes Leviathan. And I'm going to read it to you. Listen to this. Leviathan makes the deep boil like a pot. What does that speak of? Anger, frustration, intimidation. Very next, ver- very next line. And he makes the sea like a pot of healing ointment. Whoa, time out. So... I thought it was a boiling pot. No, it's healing ointment. No, it's not. It's a boiling pot. No, it's healing. No, it's boiling. It's healing. It's boiling. Healing. What is it? I don't know what it is. Confusion. And you just go, what is going on? This is insane. How can I think the same silly, totally opposite thoughts all in the same moment? Leviathan is at work. Did you know, probably didn't, but did you know that the Nile crocodile's mouth is the largest mouth proportionate to its body of any animal in the animal kingdom? Doesn't that tell you something? Twist, 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 separate, 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 covenant broken relationships. What he does. So how do we defeat it? Thank you for asking. <laughs> now that we got all that stuff out there, how do we defeat it? I'm going to start today. I'm going to finish it next week. I'm going to finish all of that next week when we talk a bit more about Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh. Um, 
But we have to understand, first and foremost, that Leviathan only preys on, on legitimate wounds, sometimes illegitimate. But you have to understand that your legitimate wound is not something that you should take lightly, right? You are wounded. You're hurt. There's things that have been said. There's things that have been done. You've got to deal with it. Deal with it quickly because the longer that that time period goes on, the more confused and deceived you become, right? So how do we do it? Just like the Disney song, let it go, let it go. Yeah, that's what we got to do. Just let her go. Give it over to God. Ask for forgiveness. Move on. Let it go, okay? And if you've got to sing like that girl from the movie Frozen, and that's what you got to do, just let her go. Do whatever you got to do. If you've got a karaoke all night long, you've got to do it. Just go ahead. Don't hold back, you know. Put your best American Idol performance in there. It is now over, so now we can take over the show because it's over now, right? So we can just keep going with American Idol. But there's four keys to overcome and to defeat Leviathan. This is not necessarily uh, one of the keys, but can I say today, don't co-sign your problems with Leviathan-influenced people. Because I'm telling you right now, if you co-sign with them, you're coming down with them, whether you believe it or not. It says, well, yeah, they were my friends. Well, they're not acting like one. Find the right people. First thing is this. You always overcome pride with humility. Why? Because Leviathan wants a fight. What happens if you don't give it to him? He gets frustrated. He gets angry. And guess what he starts spewing? More lies upon more lies, and then he gets to a point where he actually lies about his lies. When confronted about his lies, he's stuck because he just caught himself lying about his lie now. And he exposes himself. When you let him get mad and frustrated and let him start spinning and spewing, he actually hangs himself quicker than you can say your own name. And all you do is you take it, you sit there and you say, you know, one of the things that I keep coming back to is, and sometimes it's annoying to people, but I keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. I'm kind of giving away next week a little bit, but I want to just give you one little clue. What did Moses and Aaron say? I don't like you. You were my former brother. I don't like you. You're such an idiot. Blah, 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 blah. He didn't do that. He said, um, let my people go. What else do you got to say, Moses? Um, let my people go. Third time, let my people go. Pharaoh's getting worked up. <laughs> Next time, let my people go. Don't you have anything new to say? What's it going to do anyway? (laughs) Humility overcomes evil with good. It overcomes hate with love. It overcomes pride because it is humble. The number one qualifier of any apostolic person or church is humility. Who cares about us? Really? Who cares about Impact Church? Other than the fact that we have the most gorgeous senior pastor's wife in all the city. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> Other than that. Today is not about us. I don't want to hear anyone say three months from now, well, it's because our church went and staked the ground. Woo-hoo-hoo. 
And I go, the only thing that I was concerned about about steak was what I'm going to eat tomorrow. That's all I'm concerned about is the steak that I'm going to put on the barbecue tomorrow night. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that was a good word. You guys can come over. Everyone can come over. But here's the point. Who cares? Who cares about us? This is not, this is not the impact town. This is the king's town. Right? Who gives a royal rip about impact church? But I'll tell you this, we do have a part to play, and I'm so blessed and thankful that we're playing it. But it's a very small part, and that's what we'll play. If we can do a very small part to help, we're going to do a small part to help. It's so not about us, okay? Second thing is this, the Word of God. There's a reason why we're doing a Bible reading plan this year, and it was strategically planned, because I want you to be people of the Word. Because when these things come against you, I want you to respond with the word. I don't want you to respond with how you feel. How many know if you respond with how you feel, it's not going to be pretty? Okay? Respond with the word of God. Job 42.5, at the moment of repentance for Job, he literally says this. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see with my eyes. What happened? Yeah, he heard about it, but now he sees. Why? Because the word of God became Real to him. The word of God, the word of the Lord over his life became real. He had a revelation about himself through God's eyes rather than himself. Third thing is this. You need spiritual discernment. You need to discern what is going on. If you do not have discernment about what's going on in your life, surround yourself with people who are spiritually discerning and trust them. Okay? If they're Senator fans, we may overlook that. Um, but, um, that, you know, that's not right in there. But it's all good. Pay attention to what your gut is telling you, because I'll tell you, it's, not, it's rarely ever wrong. Especially when, if you're in a bad place spiritually, don't listen to your gut. Listen to everyone else around you. If you're in a good place spiritually, add your gut into it, okay? All right? The fourth thing is this, intercession. You can, you can do more in your prayer closet, in the war room, with the Spirit, than you ever could in confronting it, okay? That was a good word. Thank you. Amen. Preach it. You can do more in your war room against this spirit than you ever could in confronting it. It wants the confrontation. It wants a battle. It wants to show off how strong it is. But we're not going to give it to him. We're not going to give it to him. Well, what else do you got to say? Uh, let my people go? <laughs> Anything else? Nope, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I got to say. And then God took care of him. God is about ready to take care of Leviathan all by his lonesome. All he needs is a people, a church, ready to rally together and to see it for what it is so that we can address it, deal with it, and move on. Let's stand together this morning. Hopefully this was eye-opening for some of you. Mm -hmm. I want to say, as your pastor... I have been blown away by your commitment for the last 21 days. I have been absolutely been brought to tears. Sandra and I have been at home on our comfy lazy boy recliners most nights tearing up because of what you guys have done. I want you to know today, God is going to honor your faithfulness. He's going to honor your commitment. Some of you said, well, I just fasted one, one meal. That's okay. We were all together. We were all pushing in the same direction. I have news for you today. God's about ready to do something because he loves the city with an everlasting love. Father, I thank you.
for the Holy Spirit that is reigning supreme over this place. Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you would disarm and unmask the root systems of every twist and every lie in the name of Jesus in this city. Father, we pray for those that are, that are literally a part of that twist and lie in churches across the city, that you would expose them and unmask them in great compassion and love. Lord, and bring healing to those people that have come under the influence of that spirit. Father, we're not asking that you would deal with them, but we're asking that you would heal them. Because that's the heart of God. Father, we pray, Lord, for healing and for a breakthrough all across this city and in every church and in every corridor and in every nook and cranny and in every school, Lord, and in every home and in every place in this city that you would break through and cover this place like the waters cover the sea. We believe it together. We agree together in Jesus' name. And everyone said this morning, Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.